0: Father God, thank you so much for Tuesday nights, uh, for Bible study, for a chance to dig a little bit deeper into your word and to find things that point to you that maybe we didn't notice before. Uh, God, thank you for your plan. Uh, Thank you as it unfolds. God, I'm excited about today and what we're going to talk about because it's one of those things that you might normally just skip over uh, and skim over and not pay detailed attention to. But tonight we're gonna to unlock some mysteries that show who your son is supposed to be and things that point directly to the Messiah here in the book of Exodus. God, I ask that you would be with us, open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears so that we can grow closer to you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, I'm gonna do a quick, quick recap of last week because it's important before we dig into tonight's topic. Last week, we spoke about the tabernacle and how the tabernacle is a depiction of Jesus. So the tabernacle on the outside is the big, huge rectangle of just tent-like structure of linen sheets that are white, minus a 30-foot gate on the east side that is dyed purple, red, and blue. Um, And that's the only entrance to the tabernacle, the only way to get in to the place where God dwells, because the tabernacle is built for God to dwell among the people. That's what tabernacle means, to dwell among the people. And when you enter through that gate, the first thing you would see is the bronze altar. And then the next thing is the bronze laver. And then you would see the tent structure or the tent of meeting inside of the tabernacle. And the tent of meeting on the outside was kind of hideous. It was covered in, in either beaver skin or seal skin, just sort of a brown leathery substance. It made it durable, but it, it kind of looked, just wasn't appealing from the outside. But there were several layers that covered the tent. And the bottom layer, the closest layer that you couldn't see from the outside was also dyed linen, red, blue, and purple. And so when you walked into the tent of meeting, this is what would happen. You'd go through the gate. There's only one entrance your sacrifice would be inspected before you were allowed to come in and the sacrifice had to be a spotless animal. You had to bring a spotless sacrifice to enter the tabernacle where God dwells with his people. So in order to dwell with God, you had to bring a spotless sacrifice and you would, the the animal would be sacrificed on the altar and the sin, your sins would be transferred to the animal where the animal would be sacrificed for your sins then the priest would go and cleanse himself at the bronze laver before entering the tent of meeting. So your sins were atoned for, then there was a cleansing process or a sanctification process before you could go into the place where God dwells, the inner part of the tabernacle. And the place where you commune with God is in the inner, inner place, the inner sanctum, the inner portion, uh, the holy place and the holy of holies. And the holy place consisted of a table that very much looks like communion, the table of showbread, with the 12 loaves of bread and wine. Uh, And everything on the inside was either acacia wood that was covered in gold, so everything looked gold, or it was pure gold, like the lampstand. So everything was gold, except for the roof, which was dyed blue, purple, and red. And then inside the Holy of Holies, the only thing that separated you from the Holy of Holies was the veil, which was also dyed purple, red, and blue. Um, And that was the place where God dwelled and the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat were in there. So this was the place where God dwells. Now, the reason we describe the tabernacle, it's going to come up today as we talk about the high priest's garments. And so tonight's subject is really found in Exodus chapter 29. uh, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 28 and Exodus chapter 39. Exodus 28 is the description of the garments so that they could be built. Exodus 39 is the description of the items being built. So there's a lot of repetition. So we're going to hang out in Exodus 28 for most of our reading, or really all of our reading. Um, So we will go through chapter 28, and I'll try to make this easier to grasp in terms of what the picture looks like as we go through. uh, And then we'll break down what all this means. So let's open up Exodus 28, uh, starting verse one. It said, now, Aaron, uh, now take Aaron, your brother, speaking to Moses, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priest, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. You shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. All right, so these are to be the garments used for the priesthood, to do the work of the priesthood. And God tells Moses that they are specifically being built for glory and beauty. So that's important. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest. And these are the garments... Uh, which they shall make, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. so So they shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his priest, that he may minister to me as priest. So the elements are listed, and now there's the description of the elements. And they start with the ephod, which might be the weirdest garment, piece of the garments, because it's something that we just don't really grasp. We don't even know exactly what it looks like, Um, The picture in the handout is, it looks like almost kind of what it would look like if you tied a sweater around your waist, Um, but then there was an extra fabric that came up over your shoulders um, outside of maybe that sweater that was wrapped around your waist. Now, it might have looked like that. It might have also looked like maybe a tank top. Um, And so this is what the ephod is. They shall take the gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and the fine linen, and they shall make the ephod of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread. It's fine woven linen artistically worked. So God is utilizing skilled artisans to make these things. And so I don't know if maybe you've ever had this question, but I've heard it sometimes, especially with being in the commandments not to make images of God. God isn't opposed to artistry. He's just opposed to you creating images of uncreated things because nothing that's created could ever represent the uncreated God. It would be an abomination to him. But these things are all beautifully and skillfully crafted. So it's not that he's against skillfully crafted and beautiful art, and he's utilizing art among the community of the Jews. So artistry is a gift from God, uh, if you were wondering. So It shall have two shoulder straps joined at its two edges so that it shall be joined together in the intricately intricately woven band of the ephod, which is on it, shall be the same workmanship made of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine woven linen. Then you shall take two onyx stones and engrave them on the sides with the sons of Israel, six of their names on one stone and six of their names on the other in order of their birth with the work of an engraver in the stone, like the engravings of a signet. You shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall set them in settings of gold and you shall put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as a memorial stones for the sons of Israel. So Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial. You shall also make the settings of gold and you shall make two chains of pure gold like braided cords and fasten the braided chains to the settings." So what you're looking at here is either a tank top or something that might be like a sweater wrapped around your waist with extra fabric that comes up over your shoulders. And then on the shoulders, this this fabric would be blue, purple, red, and then gold thread would be weaved through it as well. And then on the shoulders would be two black onyx stones set in, in gold settings. And then on the stones would be the names of the tribes of Israel. Six on one side, six on the other. So you're looking at the colors of the tabernacle with the name of Israel on the shoulders of the high priests. And it even says that Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his shoulders. So he bears Israel on his shoulders. And the next you have the breastplate. And so this is the purpose of the ephod. This is tied around you. A, it's the colors of the tabernacle, which are important. And then it's there to hold the breastplate for a place for the breastplate to hang. It says, you shall make the breastplate of judgment artistically woven according to the workmanship of the ephod. You shall make it gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread. So the same colors as the ephod, the same colors as the, the fabric in the tabernacle and fine woven linen. You shall make it, it shall be doubled into a square and a span shall be its length and a span shall be its width and you shall put settings of stones in it. Four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, and an emerald. This shall be the first row. The second row shall be turquoise, a sapphire, a diamond. The third row, jacinth, and a gate, and an amethyst. The fourth row, a barrel, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold settings, and the stone shall have the 12 names of the sons of Israel, 12 according to their names, like the engravings of a signet each one with its own name, they shall be according to the 12 tribes. You shall make chains of the breastplate at the end like braided cords of pure gold, and you shall make two rings of gold for the breastplate and put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate. Then you shall put two braided chains of gold in the two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate and the other two ends of the braided chains. You shall fasten on two settings, put them on the shoulder straps of the ephod in the front. So what you're looking at is There are pure gold chains with rings at the end that attach to the onyx stones on the shoulder so that the breastplate can hang from there. Then the breastplate is a rectangle that's folded in half so that it looks like a square. But then there's a pocket inside the breastplate. On the outer portion of the breastplate, there's 12 precious stones, each with the name of Israel on it, all inlaid in gold. And so what you see here are precious stones representing God's people. So God is placing high value on the people that he loves over his heart, okay? Um, And they are hanging from the shoulders with his name on it. So he's bearing the names of Israel on his shoulders and supporting Israel over his heart from his shoulders. So he's carrying them. And this is what this represents for the high priest. And the The breastplate behind the stones is also blue, purple, red, and gold, the same colors as the inner portions of the tabernacle and the gate to the tabernacle. So you shall make two rings of gold and put them on two ends of the breastplate ephod, uh, which is on the inner side of the ephod, and two other rings of gold you shall make and put them on the two shoulder straps underneath the ephod towards its front. Right at the seam above, the intricately woven band of the ephod. Verse 28. They shall bind the breastplate by means of its rings to the rings of the ephod using a blue cord so that it is above the intricately woven band of the ephod, and so that the breastplate does not come loose from the ephod. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of the judgment over his heart. When he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the holy place, uh, as a memorial before the Lord continually, and you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. So this is why the ephod was folded in half. Inside of the ephod, in that pocket where it was folded in half, go inside of it something called the Urim and the Thummim. Now, we don't really know much about the Urim and the Thummim. We don't know what they look like. We don't know what they were. There's been some conjecture um, that it might've represented a black stone and a white stone, one for the white stone for affirmation, the black stone for judgment, But whatever it was, it had to do with decision-making and judgment. Um, And they were placed inside the ephod. We don't really know what they look like, but they were used for judgment. And that judgment also hung over Aaron's heart or the high priest's heart. And then we get to the rest of the priestly garments. It says, you shall make the ephod of all blue. There shall be an opening for his head in the middle of it. And shall be a woven binding all around its opening, like the opening in a coat of mail, so that it does not tear. And upon its hem, you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet all around its hem, and bells of gold between them all around. And a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe all around. And it shall be upon Aaron when he ministers, and its sound will be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, and when he comes out, that he may not die." If you have a highlighter or a pen, underline that he may not die. Highlight that. We'll get to it later, but it's important. It says, "You make a plate. You shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet, um, holiness to the Lord." So, what you're looking at here is there's a blue robe that goes under the ephod. So, basically, think of like a really long tank top, um, just a hole for the head and the arms. And it's one solid piece and it's long, um, like a long tank top. But at the bottom of the tank top, there are little pieces of yarn and bell and alternating would be yarn and then a bell, yarn and then a bell. And the yarn would be shaped into pomegranates down at the hem of the garment at the bottom. Um, And this would be made of blue, purple, red, and gold. Again, the colors of the tabernacle. And then it's talking about a flat piece of gold Um, that will have engraved on it, holiness to the Lord. And this will go on top of, uh, in front of the turban. So there is a flat piece of gold that has a blue cord that attaches to a turban. You shall put it on a blue cord that it may be on the turban and it shall be on the front of the turban. So it shall be on Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things, which the children of Israel hallow in their holy gifts. And it shall always be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. So the gold plate with the blue cord that goes on the turban in the next chapter is referred to as the holy crown. And it has to be on Aaron's head so that he can bear the iniquity of the holy things. So it's bearing iniquity. It's bearing transgression and sin. Okay. Now, Inside of the tabernacle, everything was either gold or acacia wood covered in gold, so it looked completely gold. Acacia wood is the same same wood they used for the crown of gold, or the crown of thorns when Jesus was crucified. So I find this interesting that Jesus wore a crown of thorns of acacia wood, which is what all of the instruments, or some of the instruments inside the tabernacle were made of, and they were covered in gold. And now you have a gold crown on the high priest's garments that bear the iniquity of the holy uh, materials. So we'll get to that in a minute, but I just let that sink in as we're, look, as we're listening to this. And it says, you shall skillfully weave the tunic of fine linen thread, and you shall make the turban of fine linen, and you shall make the sash of woven work. For Aaron's sons, you shall make, the, make tunics, and you shall make sashes for them. You shall make hats for them for glory and beauty. There's for glory and beauty again. So you shall put them on Aaron and your brother, or Aaron your brother, and on his sons with him. You shall anoint them, consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister to me as priests. And you shall make for them trousers to cover their nakedness. They shall reach from the waist to the thighs. They shall be on Aaron and his sons when they come into the tabernacle of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place, that they do not incur iniquity and die. There it is again. That they don't die. They have to wear this so that they do not die. It shall be a statute forever to him and his descendants after him. So now that we've read through it, I'm going to kind of go through what it would be like for the priest himself in the order that he would get dressed so that you can kind of maybe put the whole picture together. So the first thing he would do is put on the linen trousers. This is exactly what they sound like. It's just a white pair of linen boxers, basically, from the waist to the thighs. It might look like running shorts, but they're just plain white. A white often or almost always symbolizes purity. So before he puts anything else on, after he's been washed, he would put on the linen trousers. From there, he would put on the linen tunic which would cover him from the shoulders down to basically his ankles and he'd be all white and the trousers would be covered as well. Then he would take the linen sash or the belt and tie around his waist so it would look tight to his waist and he'd be wearing all white. Then the turban could also go on at that point which is white and it's a white turban. We don't really know exactly what it looks like Josephus mentioned something about it, maybe having like a cone on top, but we don't really know how tall that would be. But if you've seen a turban, you get likely an idea of what this looked like, a white linen turban. Then you could put the blue robe on over the white. So the blue robe would go on next. And so you would have white sleeves poking out and a little white under the pomegranates and bells. And that's all you would see of the white and the blue robe over top. Then the ephod would go on tied around the waist and hung over the shoulders. And the breastplate would be hung from the, ephod, from the ephod. So you'd see a little bit of white in the arms, a little bit of white underneath, then mostly blue. Um, and then the ephod, you'd see blue, red, purple, and gold. And then right over the chest would be another blue, purple, uh, gold, and red square with precious st- 12 precious stones in a square with the names of Israel on them in gold. And then you would have the crown or the, the piece of gold on the, tab, or on the turban that says holiness to the Lord in Hebrew. And that would be what the, the high priest would look like. And so that's how you would put it on. Now, what are some of the observations we can make of what this looks like? Now, the reason these things were made were for what? Glory and beauty, uh, interestingly, when you looked at the tabernacle, the outside of the tabernacle looked kind of ugly because it had that brown like beaver skin on it. But the inside of the tabernacle looked, looked glorious and beauty. And the tabernacle represents God dwelling with man. And in Isaiah 53, we find out that there was nothing in the Messiah's appearance that would draw us to him. So uh, outwardly, he wasn't beautiful. Jesus wasn't outwardly beautiful. But his message and the work that he did is right? Now here we have the high priest's garments and the outer portion of the garments that go on top of the white. So the base, the very first layer is white linen, which represents purity. And then on top of that, you have lots of blue, red, purple, and gold and precious stones. So you have the colors of the inside of the tabernacle, the place where you go to commune with God, the inner portion of the tabernacle. So the high priest looks like the inside of the tabernacle. So the high priest is a vessel that stands outside the tabernacle that represents the inside of the tabernacle as he matches the colors in his garments. And the tabernacle represents God dwelling with man. And now you have a vessel to represent God dwelling with man to do the ministry and to bear the iniquity of the people and lift them and hold them on his shoulders. So this is what you're seeing. And you see the precious stones represent the value that God has on of the people right over the heart of the high priest who represents God dwelling with the people. And then inside of the ephod, you have the urim and the thummim. Now we don't know much about this, but we do know what those words mean. Those words mean light and perfection. What does that sound like? Jesus. And they represented judgment that also hung over the heart of Aaron, but their words mean light and perfection, which is also Jesus. So there is one more piece of really interesting information. The blue and the red and the purple and the gold and the ephod and the breastplate Um, and the robe, that stuff got worn during the high priest's duties all year long, except one day. On one day, the majority of this stuff would come off of the high priest so that he could do his duty for one day, specifically the day of atonement. On the day of atonement, all of the blue, red, and purple, and gold would come off of him all of the stuff that represents glory and beauty would come off of him and he would look like the other priests. He would be just clothed in white. So the glory would be stripped from him once a year, but he would be still representing purity. And on that day, he would go into the Holy of Holies to make and make atonement for all of the people. And he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, seven times, representing a complete atonement. And so once a year, glory and beauty is stripped from the high priest, and he looks like a normal guy, but sinless. And he does the atoning work, the sacrificing work for all of the people. And so when you think about that in terms of Christ, right? Christ is royalty, which might even be what the pomegranates represent, because pomegranates, if you know the natural way that a pomegranate looks, it has sort of a little crown on it. Um, And so they may be representative of royalty, but we don't really know much about the bells and the pomegranates, but that might be representative of royalty. But we have glory and beauty that is stripped from our Lord. And he came down to live a perfect life, to make the ultimate, final atoning sacrifice for mankind. But his beauty and glory was stripped from him. But he rose again in glory. Now, the interesting thing about this, which I want to talk a little bit about tonight because I don't think we're going to touch it when we get to Leviticus, but in Leviticus chapter 8, you see the consecration of the high priest. And so what happens is Aaron specifically is anointed with oil. And then after he's anointed with oil, with, with all of the garments on. After he's anointed with oil, then blood is placed on his earlobe, his thumb, and his toe. The other priests, his sons, the blood was placed on them before the oil anointed them. What's the diff Why the flip-flop? Well, Aaron was the high priest, and he was representative of Christ to come. When Christ came, he was anointed with the Holy Spirit at his baptism, right, with John, before his sacrifice, before his blood was shed. The Holy Spirit came on him first, then later his sacrifice atoned for the people. And when he rose again, then the Holy Spirit could come on us. So look at that picture. The Holy Spirit, oil represents Holy Spirit, was poured out on the high priest first before the blood of the sacrifice was put on him. And then for everybody else, the blood of the sacrifice was placed on first and then they could receive the oil. So the sacrifice of Jesus represented in the consecration of the high priest and in the clothes of the high priest make a clear depiction and picture of the work of Christ and of the inner sanctum of the tabernacle. It brings God's dwelling out among the people into the outer courts. So that's it. That's our topic for tonight, the high priest's garments. Um, Let's pray, and then we'll have a chance to chat. Father God, thank you. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for opening up something amazing, even in just description of clothing, of all things. But God, you have a master plan, and you have a description in place to show us your ideas and your plans And when Jesus was on earth, he told the Pharisees, if you you trusted Moses, if you believed Moses, you would believe me because Moses wrote about me. And it's clear as we go through Exodus and as we finish this up, that Moses did write about our Lord Jesus. And the picture gets clearer and clearer. God, I pray uh, that we learned more about you tonight and that we feel closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen.